Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. You're listening to highlights from the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or see 96FM.ie. Coming up later this morning, despite the fact that he will not be in Cork tonight, the protest against Paddy Jackson is still going ahead. I'll be talking to the organiser of that protest later on this morning. Also catching up with our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran, about that car chase for burglars. It was mad, it was crazy across the city last evening. That and lots more besides between now and 12 o'clock on Friday's Opinion Line. But first of all, I'm going back to Sweden for the third day in a row. On Wednesday, I spoke to Emer about her little girl, Georgia, who's just a month old today and the situation that the family found themselves in. Then the Irish community in Stockholm reached out to uh, journalist and blogger Philip O'Connor. And we spoke to Philip yesterday, and now Emer's back on the line. I think you have a little bit of news for us, Emer. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Great. Have you news? We do. <laughs> um, we're currently in a, on the way to the airport to head for Dublin. Really? She's coming home? She's coming home. Georgia took off this morning at, it would have been 9 o'clock Swedish time, so it was 8 o'clock here time. So she's in the air. Right. And we're heading for Dublin. That's a fantastic development. You, oh, we've just... Because on Wednesday you had no idea when it would happen. Well, see, when I came off the phone to you on Wednesday, things just started rolling. And like the last two days have been just an absolute just whirlwind. There's been so much happening. Um, when I came off the phone to you, they made the decision that her tummy was starting to swell a little again. Mm-hmm. And they made the decision she needs to come off the ECMO. Okay. So they took the chance and they pinched it to stop it for two and a half minutes and they took blood they took blood tests and things like that and they came back that everything in the two and a half minutes was working as it should Oh, so, so her little body was able to take over from the ECMO Yeah, it took over straight away from the ECMO so they made a decision there and then they were going straight to the operating room to take, take the ECMO off My God, that's magnificent so, 
it just happened within the space of two hours. That's and incredible. We're just, we're still in shock. Like, this doesn't even register now that she's on her way and we're following behind. Now, she has a long way to go and she'll be going straight back into hospital, but this is brilliant news. It's absolutely just, we're in shock. This is just the best outcome that we could have hoped. When I was talking to you on Wednesday, I would have never thought we'd be in this position two days later. Because not only does she have to show that she can take over from the ECMO, but then they have to be able to show that she's strong enough to travel. Exactly, yeah. Like, the paediatric team came in yesterday and they made the decision yesterday at about five o'clock that she was fit to fly and they were ready to take her. But then they had to still wait to see what way she was overnight to see did she have a good stable night, which she did, thankfully. And we we got our plane tickets an hour later. Oh, my goodness. So... It's just, we're just in shock because it was so touch and go. When they took out the ECMO, she had a massive bleed. And thankfully, the surgeons were prepared and they stopped that and they stabilised her. So it was touch and go for 24 hours, whether she was going to stay stable or would she need the ECMO again. Yes. But we're, we're thankfully, we're in a taxi and we're on the way to the airport and it's good feeling like we're... We're one step closer to home. Oh, that's absolutely magnificent. I'm so thrilled for you, Emer. I know that Philip heard our podcast extra of the interview with you the other morning, Philip O'Connor, and he reached out. Um, he he reached, did, yeah. Did you meet him? We met him yesterday evening, yeah, and he was just, it was so nice and so confident to have another Irish person there to sit down and have a conversation. And it was, it was just lovely and confident. And in fairness, he had so much planned that if our journey was going to be taken longer, he had so much planned and so much ready for us to do and explore and everything. But unfortunately, look, we didn't get the chance, but we will be back to yeah. visit next year yeah. and we'll get to do all them things. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, it was great. It must have meant a lot to you to know that here you are so many hours from home and here's a friend. Yeah, exactly. Like to even sit down last night and just have a conversation and talk about things like home things and... It was just so comforting and I'm glad that we were in the position that we were in last night to meet him yeah. before we before we flew home. All right. Well, listen, I'm absolutely beside myself, thrilled for you and thrilled for her. And I hope now that the next stage in the adventure will be will be a smooth one. She'll be in hospital, I expect, for quite some time yet. She will, yeah. Yeah, they need to stabilise her lungs. At the minute, there's mucus on her chest that they're, they're suctioning up. But she needs to find the strength to be able to cough it up herself so that she can come off the ventilator. Yeah. But hopefully, fingers crossed, in another couple of weeks, I'll be giving you a ring back and saying that we're on oh, the road do. to park. Oh, do. Oh, let let us know now because we, 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 we've half adopted her now. Yeah, <laughs> we, we'll pop in and we'll, we'll show her off. <laughs> Listen, I'm delighted for you, Emer, and thrilled for little Georgia. And safe journey home, all right? Thank you so much, and we appreciate all all the help that you did, getting the awareness out there and getting the condition out there, and we can't thank you enough for that. And just, that's part of what we do, and just on that, you know, this needs to stop. You shouldn't have had to be there in the first place, and this needs to stop. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and we're in the position now that we're flying into Dublin, and we have, like, we're stranded in Dublin, we have nowhere to go or nowhere to stay tonight. Oh, no? Um, Because we rang the Ronald McDonald House last night, and they're fully booked. Right. So unless something changes when we land, hopefully, but 
we'll deal with that when we land. It's got to be somewhere you can be put up tonight. There's yeah, okay, there's, we'll, there's an All Ireland, we'll there's an All Ireland football replay tomorrow evening. All right, there probably is no hotel is. left in the place, but yeah. you never know. Someone could come up. If there's anybody listening to us in Dublin <laughs> or with a place in Dublin that they might lend you for the night, they can come Absolutely. to us. All right. Yeah, listen, thank you very much. We really genuinely appreciate it. Cheers, Emer. Take care and safe journey home. 1850-715-996. You know, I hate Friday the 13th. I absolutely do. But that's a wonderful way, a lovely way to start our show this morning. There's a car and truck involved in a collision at Junction 9, the Bloomfield exit, eastbound on the Ring Road. It's quite serious, we're told. Uh, emergency services are there at the moment or at least arriving at the moment care on approach and we can expect delays we hope for nobody too badly hurt in that but we do believe it's quite serious 1850-715-996 the radio news and the papers this morning full of this particular story a manhunt for suspected burglars manhunt involving dozens of Gardaí squad cars motorbikes and even at one stage an aircraft. Fiona Corcoran was following it for Cork's 96FM News. Fiona, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Take us through it from the start. Where did it happen? Yes, PJ. Well, at around 3 o'clock yesterday on the Rochestown Road, uh, three, two men were disturbed. They were trying to enter uh, a break into a house along there, and um, the alarm was raised. Now, they took off and they ran to a car, a silver Audi A3, um, which has been driven by a third man. And they fled from the scene at speed. Now, um, as they were doing so, a guard the patrol car came on the scene after being alerted. And they ran to the guard the patrol car. And we understand that uh, two guards may have been injured in that incident. Um, and they took off then at speed um, up the M40 towards the Duncattle interchange. But just before they got to the tunnel... Um, they went up one of the service slip roads and across the tunnel and back down the other side um, and came back down the N40 westbound um, and stopped then just before the Bloomfield interchange. Um, at, at that point then they got out of the car and they ran across the busy uh, dual carriageway and into uh, the Mahan Golf Club area and the Bellsborough Industrial Estate area and that's where the uh, guy the manhunt focused on yesterday evening. Now, there was up to 60 officers involved in that hunt. And as you mentioned there, the Garda helicopter and the Garda sniffer dog unit were all out last night and yesterday evening. And um, it was a very extensive, intensive search of that particular area. And just before 7 o'clock last night, um, a man was discovered lying in undergrowth in the Bedborough area. Now, he was arrested and taken to Toker Garda station and he remains there this morning in Garda custody and we believe this morning that he was a 28 year old man from Tala which was it Garda believed that it was a gang from Tala who had come down um, yesterday and they understand that they may have been involved in a number of burglaries and attempted burglaries in the Cork City and the Cork North Division right. yesterday and that the other two men are still at large. Who was the target of this particular one Fiona? We believe it was a well known businessman so they, did they know who they were looking for? Do, do guards think I that? I don't know if they knew what they were, who they were looking for, or was it just by chance that they happened to come across um, a well-known business person in the area, um, and that um, that that they just kind of stumbled upon this by chance, or was it a targeted attack? I suppose that's going to all be part of the guard investigation. Now there was a number of items recovered during the search, a number of stolen items, and they've all been seized by guardie and will be um, examined. And the car. 
the car that was uh, that they had made a getaway in, it was discovered by Gardaí and that's also being forensically examined. Um, so Gardaí are trying to establish if that car was stolen or where that originated from. Um, so so the we, is we've others are still at large, of course. His, his yeah, that's it. The, the two of the men are still at large and the Gardaí search has resumed this morning for those men. And um, they have asked, Gardaí are asking people in the area if they saw anything or if they see anything this, this morning to contact them. Now, they understand that the men were wearing track suits. Um, Sorry, Fiona, could you get wear. a little bit closer to your phone maybe for me? Cause, Sorry, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, it's a, just it's whatever wherever you are, these damn phone lines, it's a little, a little bit... Try okay. it again. Uh, yeah, um, it's understood that the men are wearing track suits and that they may be muddy now after being um, outside for the night. And, okay. Um, Gardaí are asking people if they have any information or if they've seen anybody um, in the area last night or this morning to contact them. Okay. Okay. Now, I, I think there's also two very serious assaults that yeah. you wanted to mention to us. One on a homeless yeah. person? Yeah. Um, last night, uh, a man, a 40-year-old man who has been availing of homeless services in Cork City, um, he was assaulted on Patrick Street, just near the junction with French Church Street. Uh, just got around a quarter past nine last night. So he um, he was discovered a while, a couple of hours later, in the city centre. And I think originally, Cardi understood that he may have been intoxicated, but... Um, it's understood now that he was quite uh, viciously assaulted and um, he was taken to hospital and it was said that they discovered that he had injuries to his chest and head. Um, so he is understood to be in a critical condition in hospital in CUH this morning. And Gardaí have sealed off that area and they're appealing for anyone who uh, has information or who may have witnessed the assault or even anybody who was driving along the Patrick Street area last night and who may have dash cam footage, um, particularly uh, taxi drivers, um, and they would be interested to speak to any of those people. Okay. And there was also a second assault um, on Grand Parade at around quarter past 12 uh, this morning where a 19-year-old man was seriously assaulted. and He was also taken to Cork University Hospital and a 20-year-old man was arrested in connection with that and he's currently in Garda custody this morning. All right, I'll leave it there for no reason other than the, the line is very poor. Fiona, thanks very much. Fiona Corcoran, uh, Senior News Reporter for Cork's 96FM. Just with regard to the homeless man, it, it happened during the night and he's quite seriously assaulted. There was another one out there. The, there were two men still at large from that chase last evening around Besborough and around uh, Mahan and all of that. There's two men still at large. They, they, they believe that they were wearing tracksuits. They would be quite muddy and quite dishevelled looking from being out for most of the night, probably half frozen to death as well if they stayed out all night. Uh, Guy the search underway. If you can help with any of it, 1850. Uh, 1-800-666-111. 1-800-666-111. We have a fierce crime wave in the city at the moment. Listen, that's good good police work if they caught those guys who come down from Tallaght to do a string of burglaries. But uh, it's bad. Absolutely mad stuff. 1850 Oh yeah, and in the middle of it all then, I was only talking to him this morning and he's grand. He'll be fine. He's a bit sort of perturbed about it all, but he'll be fine. I invited him on the air, but he, he declined. But uh, Dan Lenehan, um, one of the most experienced press photographers in Munster, if not in the land. Uh, Dan Lenehan, a man who knows exactly what he's doing 
and has forgotten more about taking photographs and video at crime scenes than some of the guards will ever know, was arrested last evening and held in custody for half an hour. What on earth was all that about? What on earth was all that about? One of the most experienced guys in the business. Mad. 1850-715-996. Yesterday morning around this time, we got a breaking story of some masonry falling on Patrick Street. I want to catch up with that one next. This is Court's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833-969696. On Court's 96 FM. Neve, you were on your way to work and you were passing the modern, which we now know as super dry. What happened? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, I was like on my way to work and uh, it's just kind of a really just so bizarre scenario. Like I just felt like a, just a, a whack, like someone just like hit me across the back of the head or something like that. And um, I don't know, like it's, it's a bit surreal to be honest. Like in the next thing I know, uh, like two girls, like two lovely girls come up to me and they were asking if I was okay and turned out we, we looked up and um, like dangling about three floors up was another bit of masonry that was about to fall down and uh, I had just been hit by a, a big chunk that had fallen down on top of me. D- did you hear anything first or did you? No, I mean, um, that's sort of the bizarre thing. I suppose in a moment like that, um, it's kind of, I suppose you would, your wits wouldn't really be about you, you know, when something like that kind of happens. Um, so it's kind of hard to recall exactly you know what happened um in the moment you know um but it just, it just felt such a such a whack and i was wearing a big heavy kind of like hard laptop bag so i feel like that might have gotten some of the brunt but i did get a fair a fair whack across the, the back of my neck and the base of my neck um so the the girls called the guards and they came out brought the fire brigade and the whole lot and they're all brilliant and they when they saw me they're like they got an ambulance out to me and um they brought me out to the mercy then to get to get checked. Mm-hmm. And were you able to go home afterwards? Are you all right? Like, yeah, like a, a very a very sore today. Um, I was shocked is the thing. Um, but just I was looking out for um, signs of maybe a concussion stuff like that over the weekend to come back in. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm going to get checked out today um, by my, my GP as well. Um, so it's just I feel just a, a total shock. Like you're just walking along and um, you just get a an absolute belt like that is the only way you can describe it is a, a fierce whack and then you know the next thing I know like you know it just kind of took it out of me it was like the wind got knocked out of me and um, two lovely girls came to my assistance and uh, another man as well and um, they they also said it was absolutely haunted but you know because it just kind of missed my head to be honest um, Victor Shine from the fire brigade was was on here with me yesterday morning. He said the heavier bit actually fell down and landed on the windowsill. But it's a pure miracle, you're right. I mean, five inches, five inches, and you would have been in a... We wouldn't be talking, I don't think. I I think that's it. You know, that's the thing that I I try not to think about uh, (laughs) this morning, you know, um, how haunted I was, really, you know... um, and, and it's crazy, and we, and we looked up, and we kind of, um, you know, like uh, the girls are looking up, and you know, we kind of realise they're like, you know, the front of the building looks like awfully kind of like mouldy, you know, um, for a building that's I suppose right in the middle of the town, and I suppose the, the the main thing is like, you know, it's such a busy time of day, like there's, you know, everyone's on their way to work, you know, uh, maybe kids are on their way to school, like 
these are things that you're not, you know, it's such an open space and, um, you know, that building obviously wasn't really, you know, made, looked after in that sense, you know, and um, uh, it could have it could have happened to anyone. Someone could have seriously been hurt, you know. It's a, it's a lucky the fire brigade came out um, and really took care of the situation. They were so quick; it came out straight away, and it just made sure everyone was safe. Well, listen, we're glad we're glad you're okay. Good to talk to you. Mind yourself now and look after yourself until you're fully recovered. That's uh, Neve Hegarty. Thanks to Roisin Burke at the Echo for helping us to get in touch with Neve for the opinion line. Thanks, Roisin. 1850 There was a spate of robberies in Rochestone yesterday, we're told. Not just this one. Everyone's hoping that this was the same gang and that they've now been caught or at least chased away. They are a professional gang and we're hearing that they even use lip reading to communicate with each other so their accents can't even be detected. Yeah, these look these sound like like pros all right. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Martin has called the show. I, I think you're going to give out to me, Martin. Are you? Good morning. Good morning, Martin. No, I, I'm, I'm not, look, this this is not a criticism of anyone, um PJ, it's just uh, it's just a question I'm asking myself, and I think maybe we should all ask ourselves the question. There was obviously fairly well-to-do houses almost robbed in in, in Rochestone yesterday, and fair play to the guards. They've made a brilliant job of, of of doing what they're doing. But there was also a homeless man almost killed in in Patrick Street, and that's coming way down the the news. The, the, you know, uh, wealthy people almost get robbed, and that's we all jump up and down and get excited. But we've become immune to homeless people dying in our street. Did you hear Fiona describing yeah. the incident with the homeless man? Because I, I didn't did. know. She did. Yeah, you yeah. see, she did. Yeah, we went. Yeah. We went straight to her after getting the yeah. chase dealt with yeah, we, I, no, no sorry yes but you went to her after the chase was the main was the main story the homeless thing was was only the second part of the news you know right. yeah, I, I know I know this, the, the chase sounds exciting and it is and this is not a criticism so we're, what we're is it then Martin it, it's just we've become immune to homeless people dying on our streets we've become immune to homeless people getting beaten up and robbed and look I'll put you this way I'll put it another way if this was a flat up in the north side of the city would 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 we be so excited about it? Well, you robbed? see, I don't think it's the yeah. I don't think it's the factor yeah. of what was robbed or where was robbed. It was the massive Garda chase involving vehicles, cars, motorbikes, a helicopter at one point. You know, it was a huge Garda chase. It doesn't matter where it was from or where it ended. That was the but, actual but, news but, story. You know? Yeah, but it just goes to show the amount of resources that are available, if needs be. Do you get what I'm saying? Will that amount of resources be put into to preventing any more homeless people getting killed in our streets? Well, you have a point there. We need more Gardaí yeah. on the streets, and we've talked at length on this programme many times about the lack yeah. of Gardaí. But, but you get my point, like the resources seem to be available if... That's a very valid point. I don't think it's down, to the, it's down to the person who was being robbed. I think it's down to the fact that's that... Absolutely not, but it's, it's, it's the culture we live in, and this is absolutely it's not a criticism of the person who was being robbed. Absolutely no way they, they deserve to have their property... Um, and, and their possessions, you know, uh, protected. But, I mean, it's just the culture of our society. We, mm. we place, you know... You're suggesting maybe that the helicopter might not have been called out for an ordinary household on the north side? I don't think so. I mean, look, look at it this way. You go down, walk around Cork City today, right? Mm. And you'll, you'll, you'll openly see people selling drugs in the streets in you certain will. areas, right? You will, you will, you will, yeah. 
You you won't see that out in the private shopping centres. Oh, you will. Oh, God, you will. Not as much. You don't. I'll bring you to a few shops. <laughs> one of you, one you, of them is per, is presently closed. But shall we say I have yeah. seen drug dealing? Okay, okay. There. Yeah. But you you won't. You certainly won't see people begging there. You will. I, I've, I've seen never that seen too. Anyone. Oh, it's I have. Okay, fair play. But it's it's predominantly in the city centre, though. Well, it is, yeah. For the most, you know? part, for the most part. You know? for the and most that's part. not a criticism of, any, no, no. of anyone. No, no. No, it's no. just, it's just, as a society, we've become like that. We we tolerate certain things, and yeah, you're you not know? wrong there. Yeah, you're not wrong I was just putting out the question. I didn't ring up to criticise anyone. No, 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 no. I was, I was, I was merely, merely chewing the fat with you. But certainly, you're, you're, you're right about the, the element of the, the, or well, you can throw it out there. This was a professional criminal gang caught in the act, gave chase, and all of a sudden there's as many police cars and motorbikes and even a helicopter that we can find. Yeah. Would it have happened if it wasn't the home of a wealthy businessman that was being robbed? We can't answer that question, but I think yeah, a lot of people... Uh, and I suppose the point I'm making, there's a man up in CUH fighting for his life. Yes. And yes. and judging by the, the news reports you were there, we have maybe one or two guardies and, and a roll of tape. And that's about the, the extent of the, the investigation that, that we're aware of. Yes, you know? yes, yes, you have a fair point. You have a fair point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ah, yeah. All right. Martin, yes, good. No, no, great, talk, great, no great, okay. great conversation and a super uh-huh. call. And you'll, okay, start, you'll, you'll, you. you'll start another conversation. Thank you. Kevin says, I understand what he's saying. We've accepted a certain level of crime, if we're all honest. What shocked you now compared to what shocked you a decade ago? Yeah, well, that's right. That's right, Kev. That's absolutely right. A homeless man getting battered in the street would have shocked us five, ten years ago. Now, unfortunately, we'll see, we normalise it. We just say, OK, OK, that's terrible. Um, Bill says Martin's quite right. Fine Gael are down in Gary Vaux at the moment and everything's brilliant. They're fantastic and still under all this spin and guff, there's people dying in the street. There's hospital waiting lists, the whole lot. Well, we've an election now, Bill, so they're going to, fi- they're going to fix all that between now and May. There'll be an election in May, so there'll be nobody on the streets, there'll be no trolleys, it'll be all be fixed, between, and there'll be a, three or four event centres, so you need to worry about it now. I'm joking, of course. Uh, hey, PJ, yesterday's chase sounds like an episode of The Young Offenders, says Elaine. Yeah. We get another couple of calls about this. Someone was on there previously. This apparently was a very professional gang. There was a load of other places done down around Rochestone yesterday, and it would appear that this gang are so professional that they actually lip-read with each other when they're going around so their accents won't be distinguishable. 1850-715-996. The Cork truck driver on Twitter says, of course the helicopter wouldn't have been called out. Do you honestly think such a high-profile chase would occur up the north side? In your dreams, must have been the house of a judge, a top cop, big business person or a politician to get a reaction like that from the guards. Well, we do know whose house it was and out of respect for them, we won't name them, but there would be a very prominent business person. Uh, Anne Mooney is this Anne from the Sun Anne said the helicopter was deployed to find the alleged robbers who rammed a Garda car and put lives at risk it wouldn't matter what part of the city it happened in the objective is to find and arrest them that's a solid point the, the, the helicopter was called out because a Garda car was rammed lives were put at risk that was the thing and these guys were reckless and didn't care who they hurt and who they rolled over trying to get away Rochestown resident calling in to say she rents her place and believe me, she's not wealthy. There's many in the area saying spiralling rents are huge mortgages because of the property crisis. My means aren't that great at all. Yeah, just because you live in Rochestown doesn't actually mean 
that you're falling over wads of cash on the way to the front door. That is so true. 1850 715 996. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96 FM. Uh, Martin's Call. And that's the great thing about the opinion line and where you're, I mean, what you have to say counts a hell of a lot more than what I have to say. Martin's call starting a conversation here. Mag says, come off it, Martin. The guy that you can only be commended for the work they're doing. Bottom line here is given the high level of crime Cork's experiencing, we need more Gaddy. End of story. And D says, sorry now, that chase was far worse uh, than one misfortunate man on the streets. We sometimes have to prioritise when lots of bad things are happening, says D. 1850-715-996. Speaking of bad things happening, if you found out that somebody who had done a terrible thing to your family had been let out of prison to visit a graveyard and you were told this by text... And the graveyard was near where you live and near where the crime was committed. How would you feel? Anne Dunley's not at all happy. I'll talk to her next. We've talked several times on the programme to Anne Dunley. And her daughter, Olivia, was murdered by Darren Murphy a number of years ago. He stabbed her and then he burned the house down around her. All right, toe rag, to say the very, very least. And he's doing life at the moment but they got a text during the week and did to say that he was being let out to visit a grave let out to visit a grave they got a text yesterday and that's the first that they heard about it and I think Anne it's fair to say that you're you're not impressed at all good morning morning teacher no not one bit of actually it's under I'll read it out there now under Section 39 of Prisoners of the Prison Act, 2007. All prisoners are entitled to make an application for an escorted visit to a specified person or place mm-hmm. on, on compassionate leave. Yes. Yes. Did you ever hear so much bullet in all your life? The, 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 there's a statement issued um, which said that the prisoner was approved an escorted visit to Passage West to visit huh? the grave of a family member. Yeah. The, the decision to grant the escorted visit was made by an official of the operations directorate, blah, blah, blah. Under section 39, all prisoners are entitled to make an application for an escorted visit to a specified person or place. So it's something he was entitled to under the law. Isn't this a great country, though? And he's in prison for murder. Mm-hmm. And actually burning or alive after seven or six times and one of those settings paralysed her. Yes. I mean, Christ, I tell you one thing, PJ, this government owes this family a lot and other families like us that are putting up with this day in and day out. Yes. They owe us a lot in justice. Yes. And I'm hoping to get to meet the Minister for Justice. Do you, do I mean, you... they can't go on like this. This is wrecking our lives. And they're on about mental health. Sure, I mean, they will push someone over the edge. Do you know when the visit is going to take place? No, we don't actually. Do you think you should be entitled to? I, I, 
I, we are entitled to it because, you know what, we done nothing. We didn't murder anybody. Yes. And I mean, I have three grandchildren that have friends down there. Like, I'm thinking of you in terms of you going about your business, going down to the shop or the post office or whatever to go about your business. And there he is. Admittedly, uh, he'd be with prison officers, but there he is, walking into the cemetery. And didn't our fault. We should be given a time and a place. So that at least you can avoid the... If it must happen, at least you can avoid the possibility of bumping into him. Exactly. And behind it all, PJ, he shouldn't be outside the door. I said it before, when you get life, you're free... Any, any prison sentence, your freedom is supposed to be the worst thing taken from you. No. At this stage of my life, that's a first. That was long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, he's out now for a three minutes to see him again. Yeah. And if he had any bit of that conscience, the mistake for a young man being, he wouldn't be putting us through all this. My granddaughter came home from school yesterday, and They're at the age now, PJ, that they know. They understand, they do, yeah. And I prefer them to hear it from us than anybody else on the street. Mm. She was in bitch yesterday. How did she find out? Will we have to tell her? Because yeah. we took this for now and it happened. There were yeah. nine and ten and twelve. What age is she things now? And we said we're going to a meeting. I mean, what age she's, is she 17, now? she's 17, 17. now. So, so she, could, she could easily be out and about. I mean, let's imagine it was tomorrow and yeah. she's off. She could be out about with her friends doing but what the, teenagers do. Now you see that they can't go on our passage. Yeah. Because God Almighty is out for a visit. I'm sick now, up to my neck, of the whole justice system. As I say, we didn't murder anybody, but as we're suffering. Now, look, there are all sorts of prisoners' advocates out there um, who will say, and I'm not going to endorse what they say, but they will say that Mr Murphy is entitled to visit his relative's grave under the law, on compassionate grounds, and and he's merely been given the rights to which he's entitled well, he shouldn't have any race. And I don't care who endorses it. He shouldn't be left outside that gate. He was put in, sentenced, and that's the end of it. He should be kept in there. He's out for his hospital appointment. And now this is happening. Well, I suppose he is allowed to have medical treatment, isn't he? Without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're pushing it now, like. You think they'd at least tell you so that you could stay stay clear of the place? But you know, after saying that, then, PJ, why should we? Yes. Because he should be kept in, not us. Yes. Why should we be kept in for him? Mm. How, and I've got him, I, I pray to God it won't happen, but supposing, like I said, you or your granddaughter or anyone in the family uh, was gone in for a newspaper and a pint of milk and came out and there he is across the street with a prison officer. How would you feel and how would you react? Well, I tell you one thing. I hope if I ever meet him that the place is packed with people and I leave people now what he is and what he didn't to my child because PJ, you have children yourself. I have. And you do anything for your children. I would. Like I would. 
I do anything for my children. Mm-hmm. And I have seven grandchildren, and I'm prepared to do the very same for them. And there's no way that gets up there. I'm not going to leave this lie. Mm. You don't I have mean, any... I mean, what it, was the use of three trials put not through hell, listening to all the details that the state pathologist had to tell us, and then listen to all his lies, reams of paper from phone calls, which none of us mattered because what he said was our lies. Yeah. Everything was investigated, and this is the treatment now he gets. The law definitely have to change, like. And mm. mm. uh, just it says section thirty nine one is the section. Uh, the minister may order, so this would be Charlie Flanagan, the uh-huh. minister may order that a prisoner is granted an escort to be taken to a specified person or place for the per- for compassionate grounds. Well, there were three uh-huh. sets of compassionate grounds. Compassionate now, grounds for who the purpose has, of... Has Charlie Flanagan no compassion for this family and for all of his three children? He don't even know we exist. Don't yeah. even know. Yeah. But hopefully I'll meet the man and I will introduce well, myself. He, well, he's, down, to in, Charlie he's down in Gary Vaux at the moment at their September jolly. Is he? He is. Hmm. And I suppose he'll spend the weekend there. They're, well, they're down there since yesterday and they're there until this afternoon, I think, about three o'clock. They intended to go down and meet Charlie. You know what he looks like? Down, well, the, he... down the hotel in Gary Vaux? I'm sure Charlie now down Gary Vaux isn't a bit concerned about the Dunley family. Yeah. He don't even know who we are. Actually, I, I'd prefer to go to Dublin to meet him and make a proper appointment. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's no good going down and um, saying I want to meet him. Sure, he wouldn't entertain me. He's busy. Yeah. We did ask, actually ask for Minister Flanagan to come on the show today, seeing as he's only down the road. We did ask for him to come on about some justice-related issues, but that was deadline. too busy? Well, we, they were too, we were told he wouldn't be available to us. He's too busy, PJ. Mm. Maybe sure now, once they're on the election trail, there'll be a queue outside the studio door. Yeah, and if they are, don't forget to get on to me. Oh, don't you worry, girl. Yeah, and and my... I hope they don't come to my door. And but all the... I'm worried about now today, PJ, is that thing... Getting out on compassionate leave. Sure, he hadn't a compassionate bone in his body. After what he done to my child. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. Anne Dunley, uh, 1850 Finn, compassionate grounds to visit somebody's grave. Ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was listening to you, you introducing it, and you said you, you summed it all up in a nutshell. Where was his compassion for what he did to that poor girl and that, what that poor lady? You can hear the strain in her voice. And in fact, I would they all say nearly take her to Gary Vaux, and because that, that whoever sanctioned that deserved their attitude. Because what happens if there's a relative of that girl in the graveyard the same day? What are we looking at? Another ticker tape? Somebody else getting killed or murdered? And who's responsible then? You bet his family would be suing the state. See, this is the point I was making. Like, then all they know is that he he has been granted this. They don't right. know when. They don't mm-hmm. know the circumstances. The family have no idea when it's going to happen. So now, Anne's. Um, granddaughter, 17-year-old girl, as entitled as anybody to go out and hang around with her friends tomorrow, she's got to tell her places not to go so that in case he turns up, she doesn't see her. Like, this is... 
But, but you know, you know, I know now that you said it already that the people are saying, you know, compassionately, whatever. He's due and the prison services have a duty of care for him because he's a prisoner. But what happens if, if her cousin is in the graveyard visiting some other grave and sees him, flips the lid, goes over, gives your man a hiding, he's up in court over somebody, some pen fisher up in Park Prison saying, yeah, it's all right, going out to a grave. Where was his compassion for his family, dead or alive, before he murdered and brutally killed this girl? It wasn't anywhere, was it? No, no, no. No, there wasn't. I didn't even know that this particular section of the Prisons Act ex- existed. Just to remind people again what it is, Finn, it's Section 39.1 of the Prisons Act 2007. All prisoners are entitled to make an application and then the Minister for Justice is the one who gets to sanction it. So this is on, this is on Charlie Flanagan's watch. Yeah, and this is the guy who had a retrial as well, wasn't it, if I remember correctly? A couple of, a couple of trials. So he's after costing the state so much, and now they're going to. What's it going to cost? Somebody find some, you know, Fergal there, or, or do you find out the research of how much it's going to cost to do the escort and make sure he's safe while that poor girl is lying in a grave somewhere because of his actions? It doesn't make sense, does it? No, not a script of it. Thank you very much, Finn. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. And I know, and there are two people that are well known for it, and we've sent them off to uh, the European Parliament. Um, Mick Wallace and Claire Daly are known for their support of prisoners. Some of the most violent prisoners in the country have been befriended by Mick Wallace and Claire Daly. And the likes, there's people who, who, who put up for this kind of compassion in inverted... I'm sorry, he stabbed the girl seven times and burned her alive in her bed. Compassion, my arse. Listen, I have some lovely news to bring you just before the news. I, I, sorry, I need to calm down. This is Court's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now 083 396 96 96. On Court's 96 FM. Yeah, I had Emer on the phone at the start of the programme this morning with wonderful news. This is George's mommy, Emer. She was talking to me from the back of a taxi in Stockholm on their way to the airport to be flown back to Dublin because the doctors at the hospital uh, made the decision yesterday that little Georgia is well enough now to be brought back home for the rest of her treatment to continue in Crumlin. And literally since the story broke first on Wednesday, her improvement has been dramatic. She was well enough to be taken off the ECMO machine and well enough to last through the flight home. So, brilliant. Um, But the problem was, Ronald McDonald House, which is the accommodation provided for parents at Crumlin Hospital, is full tonight because they just didn't have notice. So, we we put it out, uh, could anybody help? And we have been inundated with people saying, I'll ring this person, I'll check out that, we might be able to do something. I am delighted to tell you that they have been sorted for tonight at least, and God knows maybe for the weekend. But they have been sorted for Emer and her husband and their little boy. They've been sorted thanks to the Clayton Hotel Dublin Leopardstown. The Maldron Hotel Cork got in touch with their colleagues uh, in the Clayton Hotel Dublin Leopardstown. And of course Maldron and Clayton are affiliated with Crumlin Hospital as their uh, chosen charity. And, and they do great work with the hospital all year round. So delighted to be able to tell you that Emer 
and her partner and her little boy. And I've stayed in that hotel, and it's a lovely hotel. Lovely, big, spacious, comfortable rooms. They'll have a room tonight to stay and to, to be close to little Georgia as uh, after her move back to uh, to Crumlin Hospital. That's just wonderful news. And thanks so much to our friends at the Malden Hotel in Cork for helping to organise that. We were inundated with offers from kind people saying, I might know somebody, I might know somebody with a bedroom, whatever. That's fantastic. <laughs> Frank on WhatsApp says, "If there, this is to do with the release of your man to go visit her grave. If there was a zombie apocalypse... Within days, we'd have a zombie rights alliance, says Frank. You're not wrong. We have a couple more people also ringing the show, horrified about the fact that this this guy, Darren Murphy, who, who murdered Olivia Dunlee and burned her to death in her bed, uh, is, is allowed to come out on compassionate grounds to visit a grave. It's a flippin' banana republic, lads. It really is sometimes. You're listening to highlights from the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or see 96FM.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. 1850-715-996. Text us 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. People still reacting to Martin's call earlier about the guy that chased with the cars and the bikes and the helicopters and all that yesterday following the burglary at a man's house down in Rochestown. Martin was putting it out there that we mightn't have a guy the helicopter and we mightn't have all these cars and all. If it wasn't the home of a wealthy businessman that had been targeted and if it was some poor ordinary person's home up on the north side of the city we wouldn't have had a helicopter out Martin absolutely determined convinced of that and also believes that there's a normalisation of uh, like that poor misfortunate homeless guy getting battered on the street that there's almost a normalisation of that Martin's call getting quite a number of responses I will come back to them I certainly will come back to them. 1850-715-996. But first of all, I want to go to Tom O'Flynn. Tom is the owner of the Tollison's Mayfield Service Station. And uh, I put a piece of video up on social and sent it to us. Tom, do you believe the service station... And we're on Friday the 13th now, so we'll be conscious of that as well. Do you believe the service station is actually haunted? Good morning. P- PJ, how are you keeping? Um, look, we went in Wednesday morning, not like a normal day. I saw there was biscuits on the ground, thought none of it went around the sides. There was a, fr- uh, a, a large um, fruit bowl on the ground, so went back and we checked CCTV and... It looks as though it was pushed off. Now, I would have been very sceptical um, with anything to do with this, and I looked at all angles, and I, I'm, I'm at a loss with it as well. So, obviously, you would have thought, right, were we broken into, or did we have... Straight away, yeah. That's why I just I went straight back to, to, to check the, the CCTV, and you can see a mile away that the, 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 the biscuits, they're, they're pushed out. They're pushed out nearly two feet, and... Uh, the bowl, the bowl is um, it's quite heavy. It's it's pushed down. Now the biscuits would have been on the shelf, so they were pushed. They would, yeah. Right. They so, would, yeah. Okay. Cynical says right, or skeptic says right. Straight away, someone in behind the shelf playing games with you, and you can't pick them up in the CCTV. But where was the fruit bowl? <laughs> on top of a coal counter. Right. 
So nobody could have been near it. Nobody, no. This was at this was at twelve, uh, half twelve at night, and the bo- uh, board incidents happened ten minutes uh, apart. Right. So describe for me again, or for listeners, what happened with the ball. It it literally just was it. Did it lift up or did it get pushed? It got pulled down. Uh, the ball was full of of what you call it, bananas, oranges, apples, and it just hit. It just it's like it's pulled down. Right. Do you, you see it tipping over? Yeah. And nobody around. There's no one around though. And and what um. What, what did you think when you saw this on the on the tape? No, I I I'd be very skeptical of this, of this kind of stuff, but. Jeez, when I, when I saw it, my kind of my heart kind of pounded. I didn't know what to make of it. I I looked at all angles in the shop, and I couldn't I couldn't see a thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're next door to a funeral home. <laughs> I'm I'm in in between two of them. Oh really? Oh yeah, you are of course. Now that I remember. <laughs> I'm in between the two of them. <laughs> so maybe maybe somebody wasn't quite ready or came out for a late night stroll and got lost or something. I suppose you're always going to have visitors when you're in between the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good one. Yeah, and and your mother was with you when he opened up, yeah? Yeah, she was with me. Uh, she actually went in first. She spotted the, the biscuits were, were, were out, which... Which I thought nothing of. Yeah. Because oh, usually what's got the lads be rushing out at night time and they could hit it. Yeah. That was grand. So I went around the, the, the shelving unit and there was the large bowl with the fruit on the ground. So I, I immediately checked the, the CCTV and <laughs> there was no one there. <laughs> <laughs> You'd laugh like, but to make you, to make you a bit nervous, all right? I know. <laughs> I mean, they do say the dead will never harm you, but they're costing you money as it is, destroying know, your bananas. We have to throw the bananas and the apples. <laughs> hold on, hold on there a second. Hang on there a second, Tom, because I want to bring in uh, Liam from the Cove Supernatural Investigators. And Liam, you know, we might laugh at these things, um, and certainly Tom cannot explain what he can see on his CCTV. And a lot of people are already ringing up saying, ah, go on to that. No, you're, making, you're, you're imagining that. But not really, Liam. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Yeah, Hi, um, I actually saw the clip, and it is very interesting. Um, no, we, we see a lot of clips. We're, we're sent a lot of clips. Um, and the, the clip we've seen there from that shop is... Um, obviously recorded on a mobile phone from a CCTV monitor. Um, now, Tom seems like a very honest man and it seems genuinely baffled, but we have our own kind of checklist in, in situations like this um, that we kind of follow. The, the last thing we would say is that it, it's haunted. Um, and again, this isn't in reflection to, to Tom or his shop, but our checklist would be kind of, A, it's an elaborate prank. And you'd have to ask him this question, why would he you know, perform such a prank. It's not like that school last year, do you remember who was that, who wants to make a viral yeah, video? Deer Park. Yeah, Deer Park. Yeah, Then we'd look at possibility that, you know, were they stacking stuff too tightly the night before, you know, after closing for the following morning and maybe, you know, if, if you squash packages together over an hour or so, they might expand to normal shape and push something off the shelf. Um, and again, that, that, that's only your own personal check. There's nothing to do with, with Tom or his, his place. And thirdly, you... we'd look at the possibility of rodents or something like that that might be on the shelves that would knock them over. 
Um, the last thing we would think of, you know, if we throw all them out the window and say, well, that's not the case, and it doesn't seem to be the case in this situation, especially with the, the heavy football and, and stuff like that, you'd nearly want the a dog or a cat up in the counter <laughs> to knock over them. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a case we would certainly be interested in, and we will offer to Tom free of charge, of course, because I see that he's, he's lost customers. I see it on his Facebook page that people are saying they're never getting dark in his door, and you don't want that in, in, the, in, these, in these difficult times. Um, we're a non-profit organisation, so we do it for nothing. If he wants us to go up there with the bells and whistles, we'll even bring a, a psychic medium with us. Like, um, what, would you, what would you bring in there, Liam? I mean, what, like, what sort of things do you bring in? Do you bring in special recorders or your own cameras? We would. We, we'd bring in uh, digital voice recorders. We'd bring in full-spectrum cameras. Um, we'd bring in trigger cameras, cameras that will automatically take a video if anything happens. Um basically a load of equipment that would let you know if there was something not of this world going on there. I mean, it's very interesting that he's between two funeral homes and respect to anybody, of course, who has had people in those funeral homes. But that that kind of adds a bit of spice to the whole story. Yes, yes. Yeah. I forgot. I knew there was one. I'd forgotten about the second one, to be honest. Um, yeah. Like... Whatever about the biscuits, there's any number of reasons why a packet of biscuits could fall out of a shelf. But yes. it's I'm intrigued particularly by and these heavy fruit displays. Like, that didn't just get knocked over with a belt to somebody's elbow or a gust of wind, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, that's what kind of piques our interest as well. The fact that there's a heavy fruit ball and it would take some knocking over. I mean, if, he, if, if Tom is haunted... Um, it would seem like Tom has got a poltergeist. No, there's good news and bad news about that. Mm. Um, well, there's two good news. We can get rid of poltergeists. It's a bit of an ordeal, but we can do it. Uh, the bad news is that it normally gets worse before it gets better. But the final bit of good news is that uh, in the end, it just goes of its own free will anyway. Liam, I can see the texts dropping in and the whatsapps and the phone calls saying lads what kind of rubbish are you giving us on a Friday morning but I think I've spoken to people like you before you went into this kind of work as a complete and total sceptic oh totally PJ and again I mean I've told you the story before maybe your listeners are familiar with it but maybe your newer listeners briefly aren't. briefly yeah I went into it to prove to my then 10-year-old daughter that ghosts don't exist because she was obsessed with the Ghost Hunters International and all these shows on, on television, you know, Britain's Most Haunted. It was reaching the stage, Peter, she wasn't sleeping at night time. She was screaming and she showed me, Daddy, Daddy, look, ghosts are real. And I looked at the program and I said, it's all implied. You know, it's sort of, you know, something goes bang, it's a ghost. Um, she wasn't getting any better. So eventually I was saying, what will I do? And I said, ah. Look, I join a ghost hunting team and I go to Ireland's most haunted castles and most haunted houses and most haunted rooms, uh, the same places that these, these crowd have visited on, on television. And I'll come back and I'll say, look, actually, there's no such thing as ghosts. But PJ, hand in heart, I'm a devout atheist. Um, I could not go back to her and say 100% actually there is no such thing as ghosts because I've witnessed some very, very strange things over the years. I'm at this now. I'm trying to prove ghosts don't exist, PJ, for eight years. Mm, and you can't. And I can't. Not to my own satisfaction. Yeah. And you'd be you'd be a sceptic of the highest order. Oh, of the highest order, yeah. yeah. Of yeah. the highest order. Tom, Tom would but you like Liam to come and take a look at the place for you? Yeah, yeah, I'd be, I'd be very open to it. Yeah. The, the, the thing is, you see, again, sort of, Liam, the, the, 
they don't perform for the crowd. So you no, be... they are not performing monkeys. That's the thing. I mean, just because you go in and say, you know, do something for us, you know, move something or throw something or bang a window, bang a door, they're not going to do that for you. It has to be kind of a more subtle, um, you know, covert a- a- approach to things. That's what I mean. If, if Tom wants us there, we go in at closing time. We spend a couple of hours there. Maybe an hour, um, and we'd leave equipment overnight, which we would collect the following morning. Then we'd yeah. analyze that equipment, and we would give them a report as to yeah. whether. And it's not like you can lay traps. Or... You can you can't lay traps either. Like you can't leave stuff in appropriate places and think they'll throw them because they're up to they're they're, they're wise to you. The, yeah, you know, as, as you say, they they don't perform for the crowds. They really don't. Yeah. So, so Tom, we'll set that up off the air, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. That's brilliant. Thanks, PJ. Thanks very much. All right. And, the thing and we'll come back to you, PJ, and we'll let you know how it goes. That'd be great. That'd be great. Or if you want to send Dia Fergal up with us as well, you, you can. There's no bother there. Just, I'm half tempted to come up myself, actually. I'd have to do it. You I know what a, I know what a sceptic you are, so you might change your mind down the line. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cheers, guys. Tom O'Flynn and uh, from Tollison's Garage in Mayfield in between the two funeral homes and Liam from Cove Supernatural Investigators. <laughs> Fergal might go because he loved the last time he went out on one of these mad skites, he got pelted with bricks down in Castle Martyr. Look, do you believe in any of this? I know there's people going PJ, have you nothing better to talk about on a Friday morning? Well, it's Friday the 13th, and I hate Friday the 13th anyway. I'm terrified of the damn thing. But this is just a cool story, and the man has no explanation that he can come up with for how this big, heavy football was tossed onto the ground or how the pack of biscuits fell out of the shelf. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'm a big believer in Friday the 13th. I hate it with a passion, have done. I crashed my push bike, went out over the handlebars once. I had a push bike stolen on me. I lost my wallet. I crashed a car. And God knows how many other little things happened to me over the years on Friday the 13th. Yes, it's absolutely a coincidence, I know. Still hate it, though. The hell, by the way, uh, rodents, I think we can rule out because the deli counter is new and all of that fresh food area is new in Tollison's and in fact there had been a HSE health inspector in only recently to sign off on the whole thing to let them open the deli. So I think we can rule rodent behaviour or rodent activity out on this one. Uh, the Cork Kaipu says, Lads, ghosts don't exist. Take it from me, talking Kaipu. Uh, Barbara is wondering, does the train run under that area. Good one, Barbara. A lot of people forget that the railway tunnel, the one that goes from Cork out out of the station and then you oh, you come out near Kimberley, that tunnel runs right under Mayfield. In fact, there's a road down from the top of Mayfield down into Blackpool and there's actually a little chimney where some of the um, fumes can come up out of it. That's, well, that's the kind of thing they'll check for. 1850 It's the wrong side of Tinker's Cross, though, I'm being told here by someone who knows the geography better than I do. We shall see. We shall see. <laughs> Jude says, oh my God, I die. I die, says Jude. 
This is Court's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show, The Opinion Line, with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Court's 96FM. See... Terry, we love people like you. We do love people like you because you make nice little sort of inflammatory comments on Facebook just to stir up a debate. It says, probably set it up themselves for some free publicity. Ghosts? Seriously, who still believes in this rubbish? Well, Liam does. And Alien says, mice, crafty little devils. That's the problem. There's two problems with the mice argument. Aileen, because they wouldn't be strong enough to knock over that great big football and the place had just been passed by a HSE health inspector, so no rodent activity likely. We're going to check it out. 1850-715-996. Gary, uh, Gary Spike O'Sullivan, the boxer, says, some scumbag broke into my car around 2 o'clock this morning at my home in Cork. My passport and some US dollars have been stolen and the car was trashed. I want them back. Have you met anyone with US dollars they want to get rid of? Send me a message. There'll be a reward. And he's looking for retweets. Someone would need to pick their battles a bit cleverer than Spike O'Sullivan. Oh, I'd hate to be the fellow who took his dollars and gets caught. 18, go, champ, go. 1850-715-996. Now, on Monday morning, one of my first guests on this week's opinion line was Linda Hayden. Linda is the organiser of a protest and there was a protest to take place this evening over at Musgrave Park at the Sunday's Well End uh, Irish Independent Park okay, give it a correct title Musgrave Park, it'll always be Muzzer but anyway, over at the Sunday's Well End of Muzzer this evening there was to be a protest organised by Linda Hayden and a number of groups against Paddy Jackson because Munster are playing London Irish in a pre-season friendly tonight at the stadium at half past seven. And Paddy Jackson signed for London Irish in the last few months. The protest was to be against his presence in Cork, given the whole Belfast rape trial controversy. And on Monday morning, uh, Linda was on talking about how she just didn't feel it was right to have him there. He was no role model and shouldn't be there on the night and shouldn't be selected and shouldn't be playing. Declan Kidney was quoted in the Irish Times uh, yesterday um, as saying that Paddy Jackson hasn't, ha- will not be travelling. It, it has nothing to do with protests, but Paddy Jackson will not be travelling for the pre-season friendly. He said it would never be intended to bring Jackson or a number of other players. In fact, um, he will be making his debut later in the, the pre-season. And it has nothing to do with protests or anything like that, said Declan Kidney. As a matter of fact, the players all knew about the squad that would be travelling long before any of the protests came to light. It's a pure rugby decision. But the protest will still go ahead. I've been speaking again uh, to Linda Hayden. I spoke to her this morning before we came on air. So Linda, Paddy Jackson is not coming to Cork for the match tonight. Uh, but, your right. pro- but your protest is still going ahead. Why? Um, Well, when we were talking on Monday, I did say to you that the protest was more so about the fact that London Irish had signed Paddy Jackson, not necessarily that he was playing in Ireland. Um, I know that some people have pulled out of the protest because they were protesting the fact that he was playing here, um, but that's not what we were were protesting about. It's more so the normalisation of locker room talk, um, more the fact that we don't think that 
these are the suitable kind of role models that we should have for our young people. So you're suggesting, in fact, that London Irish shouldn't have signed him at all? Absolutely. I don't believe that he has any business. What are we telling young people when we put somebody who speaks about somebody, uses language like that about somebody that they've just had sex with, um, and, you know, putting them on a pitch is telling young people that that's okay. And it's really not, you know, it's perpetuating a problem that we have in this country about rape culture and shame culture. So um, I absolutely believe that he has no business playing professional rugby. Um, if he was playing amateur sports, I'd have no, I'd, I think he'd have no business playing there either. I think we hold our sports players um, and people in the public eye like that up to a higher moral compass um, for that reason. Because we need to start stamping out this culture that we have, CJ. It's it's toxic. You know, I, I saw an example where um, a couple of weeks after the results of the trial, I was in Punchestown and um, I saw six young lads of about 18, 19 years of age hunker down on the ground and then jump up shouting, Paddy Jackson's a legend. Paddy Jackson's not a legend. He's a misogynist. who spoke about somebody he had sex with. Who he left bleeding and crying. Um, like she was piece of meat, he's not a role model and so should not be playing rugby. Looking at social media during the week and following the various discussion threads on this, there would be people in the UK who would feel the very same way that you do. Is it intended to protest Paddy Jackson's presence at any match in Ireland or the UK? Um, at the moment, not, not necessarily his presence. Again, it's about his signing. But at the moment, I'm in um, talks with a couple of feminist groups in London about potentially doing some protests at home games too. I think we just need to send a really clear message. The fact that they had two sponsors, Diageo and Cash Converters, who pulled their sponsorship as soon as London Irish had any kind of association with Paddy Jackson just tells you there are people out there like me, there are businesses out there like that, you actually believe that this is this is not the right way to go. How many people do you think will show up tonight, Linda? We're hoping for about 100. Now, it, the figures have risen this week. We've got about like 650, 700 people saying that they're going to come. But you know how it is. You know, people say they're going to come, but then it's Friday night and it's, it's, it's starting... Because a lot of people so. will think, well, you know, I was going to go, but should, there's no point now because you're not going to be there. I think it depends on, on where your standing is. Some people were going to protest about the fact that he was playing in Ireland, and that's fine. And now that he's not, that's okay. I'm going to be there because this is what I believe. And if I'm there by myself, I'm there by myself. I know I won't be because I have like the UCC Feminist Society coming. Um, I have my colleagues who are um, organising the I Still Believe Her protest um, who are coming as well from Rosa and, you know, Councillor Fiona Ryan. So there will be enough of us there to be able to say, look, we do not accept this. Um, I do not accept it. I do not accept that this person is a role model. I, I, I just want to see a change in this culture. Mm. Make things better for victims. And, and if it's violence. a thing because he's a Corkman and the chances are he will hear this programme at some point, if Declan Kidney should hear our conversation, Linda, what would be your message to Paddy Jackson's boss and, and their director of rugby? I would ask him to consider the kind of message he is given to young people. I would ask him to consider the message that he has given to victims of sexual violence because, you know, sexual violence covers an array of different things, including the way that you're spoken to or spoken about. So I would ask him to consider the message that he has given to those victims in saying, like, what he has done is literally saying to people, your trauma and suffering does not matter. 
and he needs to think about that. He said earlier this week, the past is the past. The past cannot be the past for victims of sexual violence. I know that the past cannot be the past for that girl because on the night she was crying and she was bleeding and she went and she reported that as a rape. So she believes that she was raped. So she is a, a victim of sexual violence. Declan Kidney needs to think about that. Linda, we'll talk again. Thank you. Thanks, CJ. That's Linda Hayden, organiser of that protest tonight. Uh, talking to me earlier this morning, just not available to come on the show live, so I spoke to her earlier. Do you agree with her? Like, initially people had a problem, or some people had, not a lot. And I have to say, following the social media uh, threads during the week, a lot of people, and a lot of women in particular, saying, let it go. He was found not guilty. He's an innocent man. He's entitled to get on with his life. There's that view. And then there's the other view that says, regardless of the outcome of the trial, the girl involved can't get on with her life without being reminded of this thing all the time. But Linda said now that it's not about Paddy Jackson's presence or absence. It's about the fact that he was actually signed by London Irish in the first place. She believes he shouldn't have been signed. And now she tells us there that there may even be protests at their home games in the UK. Effectively what they want, and she hasn't said it in so many words, but you can hear it, they want Paddy Jackson sacked by London Irish without ever kicking a ball. Because they believe he's the wrong person for them to sign. Do you agree with her? Do you disagree? I'd love to know what you think. 1850, 715. I thought, I honestly thought that when he didn't come, that that would be the end of it. That would be the end of it. But no, they, they want more. They presumably just want, they want him sacked from the club before he's ever kicked a ball. What do you think? I'd love to know. Particularly women. I kind of know how men feel about this. Men are very vocal in their feelings about this. But I'd like to know from women in particular. On both sides of it. 1857-15-996. Mag says this is absolutely ridiculous. I was opposed to the protest even when it was thought he was playing. But now it's just pathetic altogether. Uh, Patrick wants to know, can you ask the girl what she thinks he should do? He's an innocent man. Well, on Monday, I did ask her that. She said, look, let him work at anything he wants. He's entitled to work, but not as a professional rugby player. Or a role model, 1850-715-996. I forgot to tell you that this was coming up, but it's coming up. Here we go. The Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. For your chance to get in the grand final for snowbombing. Ski and party on the slopes of Austria. He likes a party with Cork's 96FM. We'll be talking later as well about sepsis again. Sepsis has been a big thing for us this week. Sepsis coming up a little bit later on the programme. But particularly, I would love your thoughts on Paddy Jackson and that protest, particularly from women and ideally from women on both sides of the discussion. They're out there. We'd love to hear from you. 1850 text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. You heard it. Get texting. So, myself and Noel, wait. Right, Pat. You heard it. Get texting. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Snow Bombing. 2020. Win your way to the ultimate show. On Snow. We like to-
With Corks 96 FM. Da, 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 da. It's the competition. The whole town is talking about party and ski on the slopes of Austria with Cork's 96 of M snow bombing 2020. Five nights of luxury self-catering accommodation, your return flights and 500 euros spending money. But that's just the start of it. VIP tickets to the snow bombing festival, fast track entry to all the venues, all the exclusive areas. You'll be in there rubbing shoulders with the great and the good. Five day lift pass for the slopes, five day premium equipment hire for the slopes. That's Snow bombing 2020. That's our prize. We heard your text or WhatsApp. Rachel Barry is in Celine near Middleton. Hi, Rachel. Hello, how are you? Good, good morning. Good, good. Have you been skiing before? Never. It's a dream. It's a dream. And to have a, a dream. to have a hell of a music festival going on Absolutely. at the same time. Like, what it's a prize. Superb. Absolutely. Uh, what a prize is right. All right. Well, I've got a question for you and if you answer the question you get through to our final which is on this night week all right okay true or false can you west once performed live at the marquee true or false mm. i'd be i'd be i, I it was 2000 he, 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 true or false 2006 true or false true True. True. Yes, he did. And on that particular <laughs> night, my sister-in-law was at it, and some just climbed up the, the pole in the middle of the tent <laughs> and started spitting down the ground. So in, uh, in the circus. In exactly, exactly. So can you wish? Well done, you got it. Fantastic! Oh, I'm so happy. Thank you very, very much. You're heading off to our final, which is Woo-hoo. on. More details about that next week, and who knows? It could be you and a friend off oh to snow my bombing. God. Fantastic. 2020. Cheers, that is brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank Take you. See you then. Thanks, bye. Rachel. Bye. Our bye. Latest qualifier for snow bombing 2020. Rachel, Barry, and Celine in Middleton. Final is next week. Loads more places to be won. Ken's got a qualifier later. Then uh, Lorraine's got one. And all across the weekend. All across the weekend and all across next week, too. And now, Gary. Gary Spiker Sullivan, you're after this, fella. Good morning. Good morning. Peter, what, what, what happened and where? Um, it happened outside my house there last night. I, I came back from Dublin. I was up in Dublin training and I uh, got home and parked the car in the driveway. And uh, just this morning when I got up, I was uh, going to drop my kids to school and um, I found my car had been burgled, basically. Nice. You know? yeah. Much taken? Enough to annoy you. It was, it was all US dollars. Yeah. Well. And uh, my, pa- my passport as well. Oh, God. Because you're over and back a lot, aren't you? Yeah, I am, yeah. Did they get, I mean, don't give me a figure, but was it a sizable amount of money? Uh, as I say, just enough to... Get... Enough to annoy, enough to yeah. annoy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, without giving me your actual address, where where do you live so people might have seen uh, something? I do climb direction there, like, you know. Uh, for, um, yeah, uh, Lennon Hill. Lannemore Hill. Okay, and if anybody saw anything or has dash cam or saw anybody making a way quickly, they can they can come forward. You're looking, and you're offering a reward for anyone who can help you. Offering a reward, yeah, and it happened actually around the around two a.m. in the morning. Around two o'clock. Okay, I don't suppose they sent out the guard the helicopter for you, did they? Well, in fairness, the guard that came out this morning there were very good and they're very helpful, and they're actually sending like a forensic team there as well to examine the car for fingerprints and whatnot. So very good, very helpful. And you know, I'd like to thank George Seaman there as well from Seaman Motors. 
I bought my car off them and they, they reached out to me there and they seen the social media post and they said that, you know, they thought there might be damage to the car and they said that they'd um, help me out with that as well. But the car, there's no damage, like, but it's like, thank you for that. It was very nice from my car. You know, all the people on Twitter retweeting the tweet and being so supportive for all the messages, like, thank God them as well. And so all the people, you know, you know, yeah. cock, Ah, yeah. Ah, yeah. The line isn't great, but if anyone can can help, they can get in touch with you by via Twitter, or indeed they can get in touch with us. If anybody knows what happened, or anybody knows anybody, or saw anything, they can always ring the guards eighteen eighteen hundred six 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 one one one. Gary, thanks very much, and good luck. How, how how's the training going? When is the next big fight? By the way. It's looking like November in Las Vegas, I think, you know. Nice you know it has been confirmed, but that's what it's looking like most likely. But I suppose if people can keep an eye out on the passports, or sorry, the yes. uh, post, post office and the, the banks and stuff for people trying to change and change dollars as well, maybe, yes. you know. Yes, 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 because uh, yeah, anyone going wrong with a, fist, a fistful of books, eyed them with suspicion. Fistful of dollars, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah, did someone make your day by turning up with your dollars, wouldn't they? It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be, yeah. Go on, cheers. Gary Spike O'Sullivan, good man. 1857, I'd pity the fellow who took them. I really would, I really would. I wouldn't imagine how he'd do with our, our champ. Thanks. Actually, this, that row is raging on Twitter. Martin's phone call this morning, around half nine. Martin was putting it to us that there was a Garda helicopter involved, there was Garda cars motorbikes, about 40 members of the force involved in that chase yesterday. As Fiona said to us from the newsroom, said it started about 3 o'clock in the home of a well-known businessman in uh, uh, Town. And Martin's point was, well, if it was the home of an ordinary Joe Soap, particularly on the north side, would they have bothered to send out the helicopter? Would they have bothered to send out all those cars and all those motorbikes. And it's amazing that for the robbery of a home of a wealthy businessman, they've got all these resources at their beck and call, yet when a homeless guy is being kicked with an inch of his life inside in town, as we heard also in the news this morning, they've no resources at all. That has started a huge row. Now, officially, and anyone who knows anyway about the operations... A Garda car was rammed in the middle of this and there was threat to the public, threat to public safety. That would be why officially the helicopter would be deployed. But then again, if it was a civilian injured in the course of a robbery, would the response be the same? Does Martin have a point? Does he have a point? Uh, He's fully convinced that more priority was given to the wealthy businessman on Rochestown Road or down in Rochestown. I wonder. 1850-715-996. Finn says, God help them if Cork's champ gets his hands on them. Flipping donuts. Yeah, I know. 1850-715-996. few comments on Paddy Jackson and Linda. I'll come back to them. There's now a rumour going around, and I stress it's a rumour. I stress it's a rumour because I know someone who who has a daughter waiting on junior cert results. So this is purely a rumour. We heard last week, the week before, they were being put back to the 4th of October. Now we're hearing they're being put back to the 10th of October. The 10th of October. Uh, It does seem to be the official date as per the department now. It was to be the 4th, now it's the 10th. So I think that is the case. 10th of October for the 
junior certs. Mind them, but they not wait till flipping Christmas while they're at it. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show, The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. We've talked a couple of times this week because it is Sepsis Awareness Week about that very subject. And yesterday I was talking to Audrey about her little girl, Molly whose life was damn nearly ended by sepsis. And all Molly presented with being was a little bit fluey with a pain in her back. And within 12 hours, she was critically, critically ill. And the awareness week is to make sure that we can watch for this and and, and know that it can strike us at any time. Our own Dee told us during the week as well, she damn nearly died of it while she was away on maternity leave. Here's a little clip of Audrey from yesterday telling me about her daughter, Molly. So myself and Noel waved the ambulance off. Um, they have a protocol where you're not allowed to tailgate. You have to wait a certain amount of time. Um, and they had a guard escort from Kildare into Temple Street and they really didn't expect her to make the journey. Mm. So when we arrived there, they didn't expect Molly to survive the night. Mm. And she'd been placed on a specialised ventilator called the oscillator at this stage. And again, it's the end of the road, you know, the end of the line. It's all they can, it's all they have to offer in this country. It's end of life care, effectively, is what it, it is. is. It is. It must be um, terrifying, Audrey. Again, it doesn't, basically, you, you just don't really feel like you're living your real life, you know. Mm. Um, and that was, that was the case for... Molly was intubated for 21 days. So how much damage did this thing do in the end? Molly lost all her hair. Her skin peeled off. She had um, sepsis wounds all over her body, her knees, her ankles, her little wrists, her hip bones, all her, any bones closest, you know, they did come through the skin. Oh, God. Um, yeah, so Molly's poor old body was not in, it was... <laughs> at the end of the at the road again. Um, and this is despite all the medication that they can throw at it? Yeah. We had a few responses to that. A few people contacted us. Barry, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you for calling us. It, it, yeah. it happened your son. Yeah, the reason I'm bringing up is to give hope to people that have these problems. When my son was seven years of age, he was all playing football in the green with the lads. Yes. It's around December, and he came in with a little cut on his finger. My wife washed it and put a pad on it. The next day, his tongue got red, and we sent for the doctor. And the doctor called, and he looked at it, and he said, uh, purple and violet, we'll sort that out. The following day, (coughs) it it came back again. Yes. And we got the doctor back again. And again, he repeated purple and violet. But it was getting worse. So we rang in another doctor who I'd like to appreciate, Dr. Ted Murphy. He was young in his practice at the time. He came and saw it and he said, bring him straight into hospital. So we brought him to the Mercy Hospital. And when we arrived, he was put into the children's ward. Yeah. And we were told to uh, go home, have your, your, your tea and come back when he settled in. When we arrived at the hospital about seven o'clock, he wasn't in the children's ward. He was in another ward, and when we went to the ward, we went in, 
and he was all blood around his clothes and what, they were, what he was wearing, and they were after giving him a trachiatry to open under his throat for him to breathe. Wow. He was that way for, uh, for, 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 for weeks. The doctors, the nurses, the doctor, Seamus O'Donoghue, and Sister Fidelma. Oh, the great Sister Fidelma. They looked after yeah. him. Yeah. But it went on and on, and just before Christmas, a few days, we were told that there was not much more they could do for him. Oh, my God. That he had an overwhelming septicemia. Yeah. Overwhelming. And they stopped all treatment because they said they could do no more for him. And when they stopped the treatment, he began to get better. Wow. And uh, he, he was in hospital 14 weeks. Uh, he came out, and every year when we used to go on holidays, it used to occur again. His knees would, would pain for like the other lady that I said when I go, his ankles, everything turned up for a few years. All his skin peeled off when he was in hospital. Now, the reason I'm saying is he came out, he, he had troublesome for a few years, but he is now in his mid-50s with four children right. and working and never had a day out of work. So yes. I'm only just saying that to people that may be threatening something like that. It's a terrible thing, but at least he came through it. And that, that's, that's quite a number of years ago. Yeah, when, it, when, it's 45 years ago. When, when medicine wasn't as advanced as it is now. Yes. Yeah, the, the, the old thing, purple and violet, a lot of younger people might know what that. I think they, it went under the... It was, if you had anything wrong with your tongue at all, they'd paint you with this stuff. It was horrible. It was, I can remember getting it myself. Yeah, yeah. It was horrible, but it was, it was what they, they used to give you That's at the time. At the time, yeah. For to do with, with your... And they'd, they'd give you your tonsils as well. Listen, Barry, thank you very much for that. We also had a couple of other calls. That's Barry. You, you do come back. Many people do come back from sepsis. Molly's come back from sepsis. She's still very badly affected by it. She can't walk. Her little ankles never came back to proper function. They're hoping that eventually they will. And as Barry said there, his son back in his time was still sick on and off for a few years until he finally got all the sepsis out of his system. We got another... Uh, call or another message from Gronya, who I'm hoping to talk to later on. Actually, uh, yeah, Barry mentioned Sister Fidelma. My goodness, is it that long? Is it really that long? Sister Fidelma was a legend, an absolute living legend in the treatment of children, sick children in the Mercy Hospital. She, she was... She was way ahead of her time. She was an incredible nurse and, and just a wonderful person. And I'm amazed to read that October the 4th is the 20th anniversary of her passing. My God. Well, God rest her, because she was one of the absolute greats. And Barry mentioned her there. 20 years. Good Lord. 1850-715-996. More on sepsis and a lot more besides in our final hour of the week after the news. You're listening to highlights from the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or see 96FM.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. <laughs> there was a few little sniggers around Broadcasting House this morning when I arrived in my shorts. I have one open you now, lads, because there's a lovely sunny day out there. And it'll be a lovely sunny weekend. The forecast is great 
for the next couple of days. 1850-715-996, text 083-396-9696, the email opinion at 96fm.ie. On the junior cert, how can they now guarantee the junior cert results will be fair when it feels like a rush job getting them out? Uh, yeah, it's a fair point. But they're already they're weeks late, like they're weeks and weeks late, and it's because we think because they rushed the leaving cert and they tried to rush the leaving cert out, and now after rushing the leaving cert out, they've got a record number of appeals. Go figure. On Martin's call about the gather resources being deployed for uh, a burglary on the house of a wealthy businessman, and he believes that it, if it was an ordinary Joe, that wouldn't have happened. Deared says, Dermot's got salt in his tea again this morning, or maybe pepper in his cornflakes or something. Church uh, resources were de- deployed as the creeps were rumbled and cops from Operation Fiatla or Operation Thor were in hot pursuit. Too deep a concept for tabloid PJ. He'll never read this out on Jesus, Dermot. Would you go in and dry up your old... He also says that I'm delusional thinking no protest would occur about Paddy Jackson guy who texted his co-accused in such disgusting terms about that woman. And he also says, I'll never read this on the air. And now he's going to say that I'm easily tricked. Dear much, dry up. Dry up. We love you too, though. 1850-715-996. There is a bit of a social media row going on about Martin's call and a lot of people just dismissing it and a lot of people agreeing with him. The official response is a Garda car was rammed and there was a danger to life and limb, which is why all those resources were. Then, of course, the Cork truck driver reckons that, look, gather cars are rammed in the north side every week. Well, not really every week, but we know you get And there's never a helicopter put up over them. Okay. 1850-715-996. Text us 083-396-9696 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie. We'll come back to all those things, but I did say we'd come back to the subject of sepsis on Sepsis Awareness Week. We heard from Audrey yesterday about what happened to poor Molly, and Molly is still recovering. Barry was on before the news telling me about his son 40-odd years ago. His son is a grand, healthy man now with his own children, but 40-odd years ago he was a number of years getting over sepsis and damn nearly died on a Christmas week. And also we got a message yesterday from Gronya, and a lot of people are very grateful we're bringing this up, and I think you're one of them, Gronya. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, what's your own story? Uh, my story, PJ, is with my dad, who's 77, and my dad was diagnosed last October with a tumour in his lung, right. um, a small tumour, so we were given a date for him to go in and have surgery, um, and the prediction was seven to ten days he would be home and um, hoping everything was going would have gone okay. Mm. Um, so he had the surgery and the first 24 hours were good and then he started to get unwell um, and ended up with a bowel and respiratory infection wow. um, three to four days post-surgery. So was rushed to intensive care unit um, in CUH and was treated there for sepsis. He was on a ventilator and within 24 hours he was um, on dialysis and in Oregon shutdown. Um, and very critically ill. That's very so, frightening to watch. Absolutely. It was It was just the onset, the quick onset of it, PJ, and that's the frightening thing about it. Um, he was fit and healthy, um, had been involved in sport all his life, so 
was very fit, thankfully, and that's probably what got him through this. Um, thankfully, he recovered. He progressed well. They took him off the ventilator, and maybe within two weeks, he was back out on the ward. Were you told at one point that he wasn't expected to make the night? We were not on the first occasion. We were told he was critically ill on this first occasion. But unfortunately, Dad spent the best of nine months in hospital. He never came home after this first bout of sepsis. He had to go into complete recovery um, and rehabilitation following the first episode. He had to, like he'd lost complete muscle tone. His swallow was affected. He wasn't able to take any food. Um, he was nil orally for a long time and just then gradually went down to thick and fluids. So there was a lot of complications following the initial sepsis. Um, basically, all of these activities of da- daily living, he had to learn to do again. Um, and was doing well. And we were just after Christmas, January, we were kind of, there was light on the horizon and we thought we'd have him home in a few weeks and sadly a second bout of sepsis from again a urinary um, tract infection this time which was devastating and again I just the whole sudden onset and the acceleration of going from being well describe that for me Grania like there he is you're chatting to him and the the form is reasonably good and he's looking forward maybe to going home and all that and within hours yeah within hours um, my mum and myself had been with him that day in the hospital he came back from his physiotherapy and was in good form we washed his hair he was sitting up chatting to us and then within a short space of time he began to feel really cold um, got quite pale and tired so I called the nurse and just asked her to check him because we were on high alert I have a nursing background myself and my brother so we were kind of watching out for different things and we were on high alert so um, I called the nurse just to check him and the doctors came and within a short, within an hour he was rushed back into intensive care the general intensive care in CUH um, and I we went home and came back up to see him that night. He was in intensive care chatting and we left and within 20 minutes I was on my way back down the road and they rang me to say to come back straight away that Dad had taken a very bad turn and we needed to be at the hospital. My God. So it all started again. When I got there, he was still alert. Um, he had gone into septic shock, which... Um, it's often the body's inability to cope with the sepsis, so it's it's very life-threatening, um, and he was very, very unwell. And so again, this is, I think, Ronya, as Audrey said to me yesterday about little Molly, this thing, it, 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 it literally, it, it eats you from the inside despite everything that they can throw at it. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's just, it, it's absolutely devastating, and... You're in it and it's just so surreal that you can go from chatting. I had been chatting to him an hour beforehand and then I was left with the doctors making a decision that they had to ventilate him straight away, that they felt he wouldn't have lasted, he wouldn't have come through. So we made the decision and they ventilated him. I spoke to him and told him that they were going to put him to sleep for a little while to give his body a rest. And... um, the, first, the one thing he just said... And was he was, conscious and with it at that stage? He was conscious. He had actually been talking to the nurses about Brexit just before this episode <laughs> had happened. So he was conscious and I just explained to him what was happening. And, you know, my dad is an amazing man and 
as we see coming through all of this and he just said to me I'll be fine you just look after yourself and he was ventilated um, and again within six hours he was on dialysis and he had gone into full organ shutdown again um, and we were told that we, they didn't think the doctor called us aside that they didn't think he would make the night so we had the priest came and we did prayers and the doctors brought us aside and mentioned about autopsies and this was the train of thought that dad wouldn't do the next few hours but um, miracles do happen and he's made of tough stuff and within 24 hours, 48 hours he started to rally Um, we were at his bedside the whole time and he eventually came back and they gradually removed the ventilator and because he had been ventilated on two occasions, he had a lot of complications from sore mouth from the tube, so they put in a tracheostomy. Right. Um, for a while to wean him off. They were weaning him off very slowly just to get his strength, to try and build up some strength for him. Um, and the day they put in the tracheostomy, a few days later, they put a voice activator into it. Okay. And I was there at the time and they called me and then it was the first time we had heard Dad speak for quite a while. Yeah. Um, and he, again, his true form, he started to sing a few lines of the boxer. Um, and that was definitely a first step to recovery. It did It did permanent physical damage, didn't it? Yes, it did. Um, I suppose the complications following this bout, again, he had to go and... Uh, you know, I suppose it's very important to po- point out the resilience of patients, the bravery, the courage, because not only had he to learn how to walk and do all of his acti- activities of daily living once, but he had to now start on that path again and go through the whole thing and, and again. why is it, and you have a medical background, so maybe <clears throat> you can explain it in layman's terms, obviously the, the, the organs shut down and everything, but why is it that when you come back from the brink like that, you almost have to learn to walk again. Why is that? Yeah, it's. I suppose it's just the, the effect of that the body shuts down, and you know, in in your muscle tone, you lose all. Of, excuse me, you lose all of that really quickly. Right. It takes a very short time to lose your muscle tone, but it takes a very long time to build it to up get again. It back, to get it back, yeah. Um, and it was just back into intensive rehabilitation and physiotherapy and occupational therapy again. Um, and then sadly, a lot of the medications, while, you know, dad had come through the most critical points of his sepsis, um, one of the, the side effects of some of the medications used because they have to use large volumes to keep the blood supply to go to the main organs. So the yeah. peripheries can, obviously, can often lack um, oxygen um, and blood supply. So unfortunately, dad developed some necrosis on his fingers. Oh fingertips God. and his toes, um, all of his toes on both feet. So in the last month, um, he has had to have all of his toes amputated because they were another very, very dangerous source of infection due to the necrosis. Uh, but I suppose, you know, we look at that as a very small price to pay. We still have him um, alive and well and doing well. Um, and that's... All that's, of this happened after he went in for having a small tumour removed and you were told he'd be out in a week. Yeah. And he's still yeah. in hospital. He's home now. He's oh. been home. He he went from CUH in April to uh, St. Finbar's Hospital and for further rehabilitation and he came home um, about six weeks later. So he's home since May, the end of May, early June. 
um, and doing well. Uh, he's back walking. He's mobile despite having had the amputation about a month ago of both of both feet, of the toes on both feet. Right. He's walking. Um, he's a trooper. He's, he is a, a true trooper. Um, I always look at my dad as my hero and my God, what he's been through in the last nine, ten months, he's a superhero and we love him dearly and it's fantastic to go in home and have him sitting there every day now and does, does he remember much of what he's been through? He remembers parts. Now, I suppose that's another um, thing to be aware of, the fear of the patient. And there are certainly some, there are blanks for him, but there are very vivid memories of feeling very frightened, feeling isolated, feeling scared. You know, you're in an intensive care unit for a very long time which is a difficult environment to be in. And yes. my dad would have had very, he he talks to us now about these very vivid, real dreams um, that he had that, that he still remembers, very terrifying dreams at the time, which is probably a combination of the body being so unwell and then medication. Um, so he, you know, he can, there are some blanks, but there are some memories too. Okay, okay, we'll give him, our, what's his name? It's Oliver. Oliver. We'll give Oliver our yeah. regards and thank you for telling us the story. And I think what it does and your story and Barry's story and, and, and Audrey's story and others that have come through to us, this damn thing can can destroy your body in hours. Yes, yes. And and like I really think it's, it's, a, it's great to have this awareness, really. It's so important. And again, I would just like to thank uh, Dr. Michael Henry and CUH and all his staff and in the intensive care units who are absolutely fantastic. Um, and I suppose to family and friends who were so good to us in the last 12 months, it's been a tough road, but we, we're out the good side of it now, and we're very grateful for that. All right. Well, our regards to, 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 to Oliver and to all the family, Gráinne. Thank you very much for telling us that story. 1850-715-996. Just see uh, an article here from the Irish Times uh, going back a few years ago. The health service executive, or is it? Yeah, it's... Actually, it's fairly recent. It's today's Irish Times. The Health Service Executive has won an international award for its efforts to tackle sepsis after showing it had cut the death rate by five percentage points. And still, we have about 3,000 people a year die of it. But the HSE, no matter how good they get at fighting it, this is such a savage, savage thing. 1850-715-996. Be aware of it. If you're feeling fluey and feeling under the weather and you think it might be more, the chances are it probably is, and take yourself to an emergency room because they won't find it in South Dock. The chances are your doc, your, your, your own doctor might suspect it, but they won't find it. South Dock might sus- take... If you think it could be anything like that, don't take a risk. Don't, take, don't wait till the morning. Go straight away to an emergency room. 1850-715-996 This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Text or WhatsApp now 083-396-9696 On Cork's 96 FM Bit of news about the Douglas Farmers Market in the wake of the fire which is now nearly a fortnight ago just before I go there the Grailskull Vonister Nakurin in Middleton is in the final three of a shake-up for the My School Award. I, I don't know a whole pile about it, but listen, there's a, 
a Cork school in the shake-up uh, for the fi- in the final three and voting closes this evening. If you go on Twitter and search INTO News, that's the Irish National Teachers Organisation, search INTO News and they have a poll up and it's up between Manish and Curran, uh, Michael and Peter's Junior School and Bally Giblin's National School, wherever they are. But Grail School Vanished and Curran is up. It's currently in second place of the three. Voting goes on until... Uh, five o'clock this evening. I don't know the first thing about it. If I can find any more out, I will. But listen, there's a Cork school in the top three, and they need your votes. Get voting. 1850 715 996. Now, I've spoken to Rupert uh, from the Douglas Farmers Market two or three days after the fire, and they thought it would go ahead last week. Unfortunately, it didn't uh, for any number of reasons, but I think they've got a new home this weekend. Rupert, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. What did, no problem, what did happen last weekend? We, you, you thought you were good to go and then you weren't. What happened? I think uh, a various number of reasons. I think it was just um, it was just too complicated to get us in on the site. So, um, you know, we kind of understood that there was lots of, you know, there was problems with electricity and there was, um, there was all sorts of problems with insurance and just not really knowing um, if it was going to cause more trouble or... So... I don't know, they decided it was just best to leave it lie. Right. Um, and, and we thought, you know, out of solidarity with everyone, that there was no harm in sure. letting everything blow over a little bit. Sure. So you're moving now, and I know exactly where you're going, but describe it for people who wouldn't know Douglas very well. Well, it's a lovely um, green area just between uh, McDonald's and the cinema, um, across the road from KFC, right mm. bang in the heart of Douglas. It's been um, vacant for a long time, that site. It's been empty for a long time, Um so we just got to go ahead um, yesterday evening, um, so 24 hours to go. And um, my good friend Joe from Joe's Farm, Chris, down in Killer, came up with his uh, tractor and mower this morning. And we got through the hedge and we're cutting the grass as we speak and um, opening it up. And um, just going to be a really lovely space for a market, um, especially with the forecast so good for tomorrow. Yes, it is. And where will you get... I know not everybody needs it. Some bring their own. But where will you get power from? Well, I'm actually going to hire a big diesel generator for tomorrow, one of those big silent ones that the uh, big building contractors use. And we'll just... um, Hopefully, it will be enough to power people. And um, we'll stick that at the back of the field and um, see how we get on. I mean, I think people are just going to... They're delighted that we'll be able to have the market open. They'll do whatever it takes to to be open so if it means um, gas barbecues you know that's perfect as well that's that's um, absolutely fantastic news Rupert that it's back yeah and of course then you know the, the very kind people in the cinema have offered their car park uh, for our customers to park in so they can park for free for an hour Great. and after that um, you can pay a euro for another hour if you want Great. Um, and you know we're right in the middle between the main street and you know, Douglas Court Shopping Centre just across the road there as well. So, great, you know, it's great. great, great and hopefully, we'll be, yeah, hopefully we'll be back on the plaza. Um, they sort of said uh, hopefully in a couple of months. So, yeah. you know, hopefully before the weather starts turning. Hopefully. Um, hopefully. We can get, <laughs> get a bit of shelter in there. All right, Rupert, exactly. listen, good, good luck with it tomorrow. I'm delighted to hear that news. They're going down. If you know the cinema in Douglas, as you drive towards Douglas Court over to Duns, the green area behind that, they'll be in there tomorrow. They're preparing it today, cutting the grass. Forecast for the weekend is lovely. So they'll be in there tomorrow and all sorted with the Douglas Farmers Market. Also, there's a story in the Echo today, and we're working on it a little more. Uh, the library 
the stock in the Douglas Library is very badly smoke damaged, apparently. About, there's books very badly damaged by smoke from the night. So we'll be talking more about that, uh, maybe with Liam Ronane on Monday. Also during the week, I was delighted to meet, and I won't say where, and I won't say her name, I was delighted to meet a staff member from the Tesco in Douglas, working in another branch. Uh, there she was behind the counter and I said, hi, how are you doing? And she was telling me that of the hundred and odd staff in Tesco Douglas, pretty much all of them, pretty much all of them have been redeployed to other branches around town and pretty much all of them have gotten all of their hours, which is great. And, you know, we hear an awful lot about multinationals this and multinationals that, but it would appear that to the best of their ability, Tesco are looking after their staff from uh, from Douglas Village, which is great to hear. The bad news is that she told me that uh, June of next year is the earliest that they expect to be back in Douglas Village. Now, that could change, but that's what their bosses were telling them. Obviously, their bosses would have got their own engineers. Tesco would have got their own engineers and their own surveyors and all that to look. But June of next year, which is sad news for Douglas and all the other small traders as well. God help them all. 1850 That's final. Of course, typical page. Uh, if I find, if I read read more, I'd find out more. That uh, there are two schools in that final. The my school, INTO. Bally Giblin is just outside Mitchellstown. Thank you. Bally Giblin National School, just outside Mitchellstown. So we've got Monastery and Curran and Bally Giblin in the top three. So at least we might be able to bring it home for Cork in some shape or form. I wonder, will she have a job after the weekend? I'm talking about Minister Catherine Zappone. Um, I'll tell you why before the end of the programme. You probably know about it anyway because it's in the newspapers today. But I wonder, will she have a job after the weekend. I wonder, is she being discussed down at the Jolly in, in Gary Vaux? 1857-15996. She knew all that crash stuff that broke with that documentary during the summertime, that terrible story that emerged from the hide-and-seek crash in Dublin. She knew about it a year before. A year before she knew about it. Can she keep her job I wonder. 1850-715-996. There's a special event happening in Cork uh, on Sunday for women who suffered a miscarriage or a stillbirth or who lost a child early in life. It's happening on Sunday. I want to talk to one of the organisers next. 1850-715-996. Happy Friday, folks. Feeling lucky today? I've got not one but two chances for you to qualify for snow bombing 2020. Fancy being with the chance of winning the holiday of a lifetime that could see you skiing and partying in Austria. I'm Ken Tobin. Join me for more just after 12 at Cork's 96FM. It's ridiculous the hundreds of fab homeware steals that have just arrived at TK Maxx. Looking for a statement piece or three to get your guests going, ooh, where'd you get that? From pineapple lamps, big brand cookware and squishalicious cushions, discover ooh homeware at ah prices in store today. TK Maxx, ridiculous homeware possibilities. With Harvey Norman's interest-free finance options, you can get what you really want today. Browse our entire range across appliances, furniture and bedding. Then fill out a simple application and you could get approval from just 15 minutes later. It's that easy. And with interest-free finance terms ranging from 18 months to up to three years, we'll have a repayment schedule that suits you. Apply online or visit your local Harvey Norman today. What would you get? 
Terms and conditions apply subject to assessment. Finance provided by Creation Consumer Finance Limited and Flexify Europe Limited. For full terms and conditions, visit harveynorman.ie forward slash finance. Okay, you're a single female seeking... Somewhere romantic. Warm or cold? In between. I want autumn leaves that rustle and crunch as I wander. Interests. Delicious food and cool galleries. Okay, we have a match. Paris, direct from Cork. Well, c'est ça. Fall for somewhere new this autumn. Flying direct from Cork to Paris, Lisbon or Amsterdam with Aer Lingus. Cork Airport. Love taking off. Okay, guys, Christmas party brainstorm time. What's our theme? Three wise men. Sexist. Carols. Also sexist. Mistletoe. No consent. Fairy lights. Homophobic. A big tree for reception. Think of the environment. Snowmen. Sexist. Snow persons. Patronising. For a Christmas party everyone can agree on, book your complete package from as little as $29.50 per person at Curraheen Park Greyhound Stadium.ie. That's your venue, food, drink, crack and good deeds sorted because 10% of the price of your package goes to the Greyhound Care Fund. This is Court's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Court's 96FM. Claire Martin is one of the organisers of the Stories from the Womb workshop. Claire, good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Hi. We've talked many times on the programme to people who've been through the trauma of miscarriage or stillbirth or who've lost a child very early in life. It's it's something that you just, you don't get over. No. Um, it's something that will always will be, will be with you. But at the same time, I think there is there is a possibility of of healing. You can heal and move on but you always have that that baby or child in your heart and that's okay that's just the way it is mm-hmm. um and i suppose that's that's kind of what we want to do is to create a space for women just to to be what what is and i think that's kind of what's lacking at the moment for women um especially women who have had miscarriage right um like miscarriage is this thing, this thing that's so common. It's something like one out of five pregnancies, and nobody talks about it. Everybody has this. Oh, we mustn't tell anybody until twelve weeks, mm. and then if you have a miscarriage, you can't tell anyone because you don't want to upset anyone. Mm. So there's an awful lot of grief and hurt and pain being held, and you know, I think if we were able to talk about it. Um, there's so much love and support we could give to all those women. Is that it. old thing about we don't talk about it until 12 weeks, is that old horse net or chestnut still there? I think so. I mean, it certainly was there for, for me when I when I was having my babies. I think it's it's quite common. Yeah. Um, Why, and, where does it come from? Well, I think maybe after the 12 weeks, there's the... the the chance of having a miscarriage might be lessened. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how much, but I think, in you know, um, and because it is so common, but, you know, it, it's something that, um, you know, I think we, you know, we all have loved ones who've gone through this. Yes. And um, there's no reason why we can't be there for them, you know, and support them. Yeah. Do you mind sharing your own story with me, Claire? Yeah. Um I 
lost my first baby. His name was Alan. That was like um, 14 years ago now. Okay. Um, I was 27 weeks pregnant and it was it was a shock you know it it came out of out of nowhere really but in you know afterwards i could kind of feel that you know i i had had little clues and i kind of knew that this is this is the way it, it was going to be yeah um but i was very lucky because i was 27 weeks pregnant i had told everybody and the, the support i got from my friends and family was phenomenal you yeah. know yes and that made it it you know it was still very hard, but I I didn't have to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and just little things like he got a, a birth cert and a death cert. Um, he we gave him a little funeral. There was all these rituals of acknowledgement that mm-hmm. um are so normal for when a loved one dies, mm-hmm. and yet so many women don't have that. You know, because their baby was born before twenty four weeks. Um they don't get that yeah and so many people as well and I've heard so many people just when they have a miscarriage they just call work take a day or two off and go back and try to pretend that nothing really happened Exactly, that you know, that can't be easy. That's that's. It it's really it's really difficult, and I suppose what we're trying to do is just to create this space. Um, like our workshop is kind of we've got four um four of us are running this workshop. Um, Laura Whalen does this, these amazing dolls. Mm. Um, so everybody gets to make their own dolls, their own kind of keepsake for their baby. Okay. Um. And it's very, I mean, they're, they're beautiful, but they're they're very simple to make. And um, so we do that. And it's a very, I've done one of these workshops and it's really, it's, it's really special. It's hard to kind of put words on it, but mm. you're just in a group of women sitting around and, you know, when women are together, they talk, but there's no, you know, there's no, it's not like a, a, a thing where you have to go and you have to say, oh, this happened to me. You know, everyone's at different stages. Some people just don't want to speak at all. Mm. And when you're sewing, you have the option of speaking or not speaking. But there's just this kind of um, a close sense and a kind mm. of um, a it's bond. It's kind of activity-based. We're all based. in the same. Yeah, we're in the yeah. same activity. And yeah. it's a very, it's, it's very gentle. Oh. It's very therapeutic. And then people can talk and share or not, you know, there's no there's no kind of have to. Where is, and then where we, is it on and when? It's up in um, Ennismore Retreat Centre and um, it's on for the day so it's on from 10 to 5 um, on Sunday and we'll have Pam Skinner doing some Qigong and Sarah Dubois doing some meditation and in the afternoon then I'm going to do a sound bath where everybody just lies down and just relaxes and I've got this beautiful big gong and I'm going to be playing that and singing and using singing bowls and lots of different instruments so it's it's just all about just having that time where the the world stops Mm. and time time for you time for you yeah with like-minded people really yeah okay um so that's it in a small retreat center this sunday yeah, and we actually have a couple of free places to give away. So, you know, if any of your listeners want to come, if they want to 
they could contact me or contact the okay. show. I'll, I'll, um, I'll let you. I'll put you back on to D, and we can organise maybe how that might happen. Um, okay. All right. And so. we also sorry, and we also have um, an offer. If somebody wants to bring a friend with them, mm-hmm. they could like it. The normal cost is eighty euros, but if somebody wants to bring their friend or their mother or just someone for support, they can come for a hundred euros for the two of them, and the price okay. includes lunch. All right. Okay. I'll put you back on to D there. Maybe we can talk more about that. Thanks very much. That's Claire Barton, uh, the event. And it's not free. It's 80 euro or uh, two people for 100 euro uh, on the, in the Ennismore Centre on Sunday between 10 and 5. Stories from the womb is what it's called. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, a lot of people in praise of the event Claire is hosting in Ennismore Retreat on Sunday. Look, it's not cheap. It's 80 euro, 100 euro for two people, but it's for women affected by stillbirth and miscarriage and all those things. Um, my little boy was stillborn in 1995. It was full term. It's not something you get over, but it's something you come to terms with, says Helen. Mag says, what a beautiful event. Well done, Claire. 1850-715-996. This is one we'll watch news-wise over the weekend, and we have a couple of comments in on it. I mentioned it earlier there. Uh, the Minister for Children, Catherine Zapone, knew about the hide-and-seek crash problem a year before it broke in a documentary. She knew about it. She can't duck away from it because what happened was the Minister for Finance, Pascal Donoghue, as a Dublin Central TD, a constituent came to Pascal Donoghue whose child was in the creche, who was concerned about the conditions in the creche. Pascal Donoghue then said, all right, I'll take that as your TD. I have hey. I have an inside track. He went to Catherine's opponent and he told her what his constituent had told him a year before Hide and Seek was exposed by an RTE documentary. Question over the next couple of days is, can she keep her job? Can she keep her job over this? It's one we'll have to watch. 1850-715-996. Kit says, most of our ministers don't deserve the seat they hold, but Catherine Zappone is high up the scale to be dismissed as soon as possible. She's a disgrace. Again, it's one we'll watch with considerable interest. Staying with matters to do with children... We did spend some time on Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday, I think, talking about child-friendly spaces and child-friendly businesses and places to go in Cork where it might be easy to go with a child. Soft play areas are in very short supply, says Orla. Hi, Orla. Hi, how are you doing, BJ? Just a little place to put them in where they can't hurt themselves while you do whatever you need to do. Yeah, um, there's like the likes of um, Matten Point and the Douglas Village Shopping Centre have um, well had two uh, soft play areas. They're really little spaces um, where if you're out shopping, you just um, you can go up for a break when your child is losing it a little bit. They get to um, burn off a little bit of that excess energy and then you can go back to your shopping and back to your spending, probably, which is what the retailer's like. Yeah. So. Kids like to let off a bit of steam and when they're trying to follow Mammy around with a trolley they get stressed and just let them in there and kick a ball and throw themselves around and they can't hurt themselves. 
and they can't hurt themselves and, and I think the Matten Point one is, is a brilliant example of a soft play area it's completely free there's actually um, a lockable door so that the children can't run out and run off to the top of the escalators or anything like that mm. and you know the parents just get to take a few moments and relax while they're there yeah. and probably let off a bit of steam themselves You're a city centre dweller it's particularly I am difficult. I live in South Parish so yeah. I'm right in the city centre here Um, We have, I suppose, from a playground perspective, there's Shalom Park and there's Fitzgerald Park. But both of them are a little bit outside the city centre and a bit of a a jog for people if they're they're out um, doing their shopping. How how many little ones have you got? I have two now. I have a little eight-week-old downstairs. We just had our vaccination. Congratulations. So so I'm back into it again, back into, you know, walking around the city centre, doing my shopping and trying to find somewhere to sit down and either feed a baby or to keep a toddler happy. Which All is right. a bit of a bit of a um, a difficult uh, tall order tall order really. Have you have so, you made any approaches about to places um, about businesses? I haven't at the moment. It was just something that was brewing, and I suppose I was pregnant up until now. So um, it was it, I was I was just uh, one of the things that happened when I was pregnant was I was in and I was walking around Merchant's Key, and I was upstairs going to the Peter Mark up there, and I noticed there was I think and I counted at least yeah. at the time there was about fourteen empty units upstairs. Yeah, I'm thinking of so, yeah, Merchant's Key. Yeah, uh, yeah, Merchant's Key, the ideal place. Yeah, um, I remember when Dee came back from her first maternity leave, she had a big bee in her bonnet about this because there was nowhere to take a child to play safely in any of the city centre or shopping centres. And of course, when you work in the city and the child will be with you in the afternoons and you need to do a bit of shopping, need to be with, do a few jobs, it'd be yeah. nice for them to have somewhere to play. Oh, it would be. And it's it's such a simple thing, you know, really. Um, and and I, I got on to Man Point actually just to tell them, you know, thanks so much for providing this to us. You know, it's fantastic. And they said, oh, well, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for thanking us. But, you know, I mean, they do it because it's a nice thing for families. But also... Mm. It's really good for business. Families spend money. Here, yeah. Families spend money. Um, women spend money. Um, and even, you know, that, that extra few hours that you'll be able to spend in the city um, is, a, is, is an opportunity then for the retailers in the city centre. So, I mean, it would be a boon for everyone and a really good feel-good story to put something like that in in one of the, the city centre locations. Yeah, Merchant's Key would be ideal because they got some units. Definitely, they have a lot of units empty. And I remember, I remember just seeing somebody on Twitter. I'd mentioned it that late. Um, Boots and Half Moon Street have a feeding room and a changing room upstairs. They did just provide for free. Again, it's one of these nice things that a retailer does. Might be, might be worth reaching out. Might be worth yeah, reaching out to Merchants Key. We, we, we'll, maybe, we'll make some contacts. See, yeah, and see I what think might be happen. great. I mean, it, it's 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 relatively simple. I'm sure even some of the other retailers who would benefit would be really happy okay. to even support it. You know, what, and watch watch this space, and we'll see what can be achieved. Orla, thanks ever so much. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. We will make that approach. D is already working on it to see what could be done in Merchants Key for a little play area for kids. And those of you who don't have small children and are going far gone, wait, you'll be in that position someday. Now, there's a vintage car run in Crosshaven this weekend in aid of the Cork Penny Dinners. Uh, vintage car enthusiast supreme, my old buddy, Mark Ginn. Mark, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good, good. you got some really lovely cars down there and you're having a run this weekend. What's the story? We're having a, a, a dual event it's on Saturday and Sunday uh, in conjunction with the triathlon in Crosshaven. Um, as you're aware, there's a triple very uh, popular triathlon uh, sponsored by Centre Bernard Lynch uh, that's on Saturday afternoon 3 o'clock to stroke 5 o'clock so the Vintage Car Club will be uh, we'll have a static display in the, in the car park in Crosshaven from 10.30am on Saturday right through the day and the afternoon and uh, this year's charity is Cork Penny Dinners um, you're aware of the services which Cork Penny Dinners provide yes. and uh, we the 
Crosshaven Veteran Vintage and Motor Classic Club. A uh, bit of a mouthful, but it's, um, it's the correct name. We're, um, uh, we're raising a lot of money uh, for corporate owners. So if you're in Crosshaven supporting the triathlon, uh, we'll be in the car park, as I said, from 10.30 a.m. Uh, we'll have plenty of buckets. Um, and we'll the weather forecast is great. So it's no great. Excuse. And we're, we've, to date, we're getting fantastic uh, support from the business people in Carrigaline and Crosshaven. Uh, they've given us a lot of donations. And... Um, it's going to be a great day for us. All right. Good luck with it, Mark. Uh, that's in Crosshaven over the weekend and all proceeds to Cork Penny Dinners. One more thing to do before we finish. Do you remember my conversation during the week with Barry, who had an experience in Wilton Shopping Centre with a crow? Do you remember? He told me this. Well, in the process of putting my shopping in the boot of the car, uh, my daughter was sitting in the in the back of the car. I uh, turned to give her some a soup and roll, which I got for her, um, and um, uh, turned back, and there was a crow in my bo- in my trolley uh, with a um, bread roll in its mouth. I couldn't. I just. I couldn't believe it. Um, as I moved, it 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 flew out of the bug out of the. Uh, trolley, but landed only about three foot from the trolley and sat there while I while I emptied the rest of the um, uh, shopping into my boot. I then re- returned the, the trolley to the to the to the trolley bay yeah. and was followed by by said um, crow. Followed, followed by the crow. All right. When I put the when I put the trolley in the bay and left it, okay, the crow hopped up on the trolley. I managed to get into the trolley. Um, so the taxi men were standing outside, and I turned and I said, did you see that? I said, talk about brazenness. And they said, yeah, we're looking at that every day of the week. It reminded us of an interview we did last year with a man called Dr. Kevin McGowan uh, at Cornell University, an expert on crow behaviour. Yes, they do exist. And we went to listen. He said, yeah, they do know you. They do follow you. And if you annoy them, they take it out on you. Here's what he said back then. I'm, I'm looking at what's in their nest and banding the babies in the nest before they can fly. And so I climb to uh, crow's nest and they don't like that very much. And so they would, but and they get to recognize you as an individual. They would chase my car down the street, yelling at me as I was driving through the through their territories. They would uh, mob, what we call mobbing, that they would fly over my head and yell at me when I was walking across campus. Um, and I kind of got tired of that, so I I started tossing them peanuts to see if I could make friends with them, and they like that a lot. So now I've got a bunch of uh, pro friends that uh, chase my car down the street to get me to stop and, and toss, toss some peanuts. So they actually do enter relationships with humans? They do. They're one of the few birds that actually seems to pay attention to individual people, not just people as a whole, uh, but the oh, differences really? they can recognize between you? people. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But they, these guys would, uh, when I was back in the days when they hated me, um, I my office was off campus uh, at Cornell, and I was following a number of families on Cornell proper. And so I would walk onto campus, uh, and amidst you know thousands of other people walking around campus, and when I got to the the one crow's territory, they would see me. They would turn around and start yelling at me, and, and follow me around yelling. How do you mean yelling at and you? And again, uh, calling 
flying overhead and making what their uh, anti-predator call, which is kind of a drawn-out call. It's a, a, a longer and harsher than just the regular sort of uh, heads-up territorial. Like a warning. Yeah, they just, yeah, and they're saying, you, you. You know, they're insulting my mother and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you bastard, we don't like you. You stay away. And, and yeah. uh, your mother wears army boots and, and things like that. You know, whatever they were saying in Crow, was, I could tell what they meant. And, and they gather in gangs as well to try to intimidate people, don't they? Well, it's not so much gangs as it is a neighborhood watch. Okay. Uh, that if the, if, I mean, you have to understand, these birds are, are, they're not evil and they're not mean and they're not vicious. They're, they're, they're regular uh, regular folks that are trying to make a living and raise their kids and keep their kids safe and keep their, their neighbors safe. And so when they think I'm something bad and, and the family that lives there yells at me, the family that lives right next door, they hear that there's some trouble going on over there and they go over to check it out and see if they can lend a hand. So they so, form yeah, a community be- among themselves then? Absolutely. Absolutely. They know each other and they interact with each other. And in against predators, they try to help each other out. So I've had groups of up to 75 birds that have come over uh, trying to mob me while I was climbing to a nest. So, you know, it's serious business, and and they all have the, the community good at heart. So they're, they're just trying to be good citizens. They're not trying to be an angry mob. So the message is when you're out in Wilton this weekend and you might be doing a bit of shopping, put in an extra bread roll into the basket for the crows. <laughs> and as you're putting the shopping into the car, just give it out to them because they'll come and get it. And don't be afraid of them. They're only looking after themselves. They're not like the seagulls who are coming down out of the sky and robbing people's sandwiches and chips and stuff. Listen, that's it. It's been a good, lively week. The programme edited today by Deirdre Shotnessy, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Your podcast up later. Repeat in the early hours. I'm off to see this tonight. I cannot wait for this. Off for the Queen Bee to see Downton Abbey. Have yourselves a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday morning, just after nine.